Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. What's happening, people? It is Bet and Breakfast on a Thursday. The Thursday crew is here. Ian McMillan, Donovan Smoot, Ben Heisler. Good to have you guys with us on the live stream today. Also, if you're listening on the podcast, we appreciate all of that as well. By the way, if you are listening on the podcast and uh, if you've been enjoying the uh, conversation, the banter, the uh, the picks as well, uh, kindly leave us a review over uh, in the Apple uh, in the Apple Store uh, on Spotify wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, also, give us a thumbs up if you're watching live on YouTube as well. All of that is greatly appreciated. But gentlemen, it is uh, it's good to see you ahead of uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, a lot going on as far as potential plays that we'll go through over the course of today. We'll dive into our uh, our top plays, our top fades, of course, best bets for Thursday as well. Um, I, I actually wanted to start somewhere a little bit different with you guys because as a, as a Chicago Cub fan, uh, John Lester just announced the other day that he is retiring. And that dude completely changed every single aspect of what it's like to like come and play in Chicago be a contender because they were, you know, for you know, 108 years, they were just kind of a laughing stock. And then they'd have one great season, they'd go back to sucking for a while. And and when they signed Lester, everything changed and they were competitive. And just the mindset of everything was completely and drastically different. And I'm wondering, like, who that dude was for the teams that you rooted for. Because, like, that Lester to me has that, like, real special place in my heart as someone that, like, completely moved on from the idea that the Cubs were just going to be this losing crappy bunch for a long, consistent time. Was there ever a player, Ian, for you that in your teams growing up that once this guy got there, it wasn't necessarily the best player in your franchise history, but once they came, everything, the mindset, the philosophy just got to a point where like, all right, now we're going to start winning now. It's a little bit of a tough question for me to answer because my teams have never won a championship. So no players have kind of gotten us over that hump. But if I were to, I think it's two guys for the Atlanta Falcons. I think number one is Matt Ryan. I think when Matt Ryan showed up, he gave the franchise a lot of stability because people forget about that whole, do you remember right before he showed up, there was the whole uh, Bobby Petrino thing. He came and then left yeah. a note in like the locker room and just quit on the team halfway through. Joey Harrington was a quarterback for a year. The whole Mike Vick situation uh, so Matt Ryan gave us yeah. stability, uh, but then Julio Jones kind of made being an Atlanta Falcon cool. He brought swagger to the team. Uh, he kind of made it cool to play for the Falcons. So I, I would say 50% Matt Ryan, 50% Julio Jones, but uh, they brought us to a Super Bowl at least. I mean, it wasn't a fun Super Bowl, but they brought us there. So uh, I'd, I'd give half credit to each of those guys. 
What about for you, Donovan? Was it uh, was it Nick Foles when he showed up in Philadelphia? <laughs> no, I and I feel so bad because Nick Nick gave us the he got us the Super Bowl, but I consider myself a Nick Foles truther, and I just he's just not a great quarterback, but he had a great run. So like I'll forever be appreciative, but he's just not great. Uh, but with the Eagles, I don't know. It's it's it was weird because we came it like. After Andy Reid, it was Chip Kelly, and that whole situation was a disaster. And then, I mean, when when Peterson and, and Wentz got there, it was kind of like, because we went from 6-10 and 10 to winning the Super Bowl. And it was a drastic change, but I didn't feel like it was one player. It just felt like a, like a, a group effort. And so I wouldn't really say anybody for the Eagles in the past, you know, I guess five years. Um, the person that I do put that on, and even though that, like, nothing really changed, Carmelo Anthony will always have a special place in my heart because he's the only superstar who said, like, I want to go to New York. And that narrative has been around forever. And so the fact that that he's the only one that actually did it and was like, I'll take on the bright lights, I'll take on the pressure of the garden and everything like that, that like that really means a lot. So like Melo's probably one of my three favorite players of all time just because of that. So, I think that's yeah, really I, cool about yeah. Mello in the sense that even though there wasn't consistent winning, there was a sense that he could still change the philosophy there. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I, I still and, think like – And it wasn't until Phil Jackson came in and just destroyed him that, that everything went, went truly sour. That, that still remains one of the more fascinating things that I've ever seen. It's the most – arguably one of the most brilliant head coaches – in, in NBA history, if not the most, just completely and totally destroyed that team. Like, it was, is that just something that just passed him by? Or he just, I, I to me, it, it, it doesn't add up that you would think someone with that much knowledge and that much understanding of how to handle superstars could go so wrong so quickly. I, I'm trying to think of other examples of it. Maybe I'm a little concerned now that, that Bill Polian is leading the, uh, the search for the Bears. <laughs> And their next GM and, and head coaching hire. And I'm like, yeah, Bills won a lot, but you know, the most recent thing that I think of with him is that he wanted Lamar Jackson to be a wide receiver. And this is supposed to be the guy that's going to take the Bears to, to the cutting edge. I have some concerns about that, but I don't know. I I, I think that's a, a good way to be able to to remember Mello. And I, I think it's interesting, even though he didn't win a ring, you have you have Knicks fans, I think, for the most part, talking positive about him. Uh, by the way, we do have a comment coming in, Ian. This one is, is for you. Uh, for those that were, were listening to, to Bet and Breakfast uh, the other day, or not Bet and Breakfast, but Bacon Bets, uh, so, someone just wants to check and, and make sure that, that you're okay, because apparently there was some outside noise and some things happening Thank during you. the latest episode of, of Bacon Bets. Yeah, there was like a five-minute span. The things got wild. My cat was going nuts. There was uh, uh, sirens outside. It, it was either gunshots or fireworks, too. It got crazy for a few minutes there, but I don't know. I'm all right. I stayed in my apartment. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. I appreciate that's, that. That's life in the big city. That's true. Appreciate, uh, Gilmar, <laughs> you checking in, making sure that making sure that our guy uh, is okay. All right. So we, we got a ton to get into. I had a wild card weekend, of course. Uh, all of our plays have been listed over at uh, at BetSided. Um, Ian, I assume you're going to continue to make bets on, on every game of the postseason after doing the, the full slate of games uh, for the NFL as well. But we did some of these. If you're on YouTube, you can check out our, our best bets of the week and our early leans. But I, I want to dive into uh, plays that were fading, plays that were jumping on board this week. So, Donovan, let me kick things off with you because 
Uh, there's a, a juicy upset uh, that you have your eye on that uh, I want to get a little bit more. I, I want to dive into this a little bit deeper with you because you and I are on opposite sides of this. So, so give me your play, yeah. give me your fade, and, and we'll talk a little bit about it a little bit further. Yeah, so my my play, and I've been very vocal all week about it, um, but the Eagles are going to upset the the Buccaneers this week. They're going to go into Tampa Bay and they're going to win. Um, and I listen. Last last week wasn't a, a good week for the Eagles, but they had eleven people um, on the COVID list. Gardner Minshew was was a starting quarterback. They're getting they're getting eleven players off the COVID list this week. Um, that's going to be huge. They're going to get Jalen Hurts back. They're going to get Fletcher Cox back. They're going to get Dallas Goddard back. Though all three of those pieces are staples on on each one of the, the units. I think that's going to be big. Um, Darius Slay versus Mike Evans seems much more manageable this week. Now that, you know, Chris Godwin's been out for a while, but now that, you know, Antonio Brown went super gremlin and just left and, <laughs> and there's not really, you know, that that many, you know, weapons on the outside for, for Brady to mess with. Slay versus Evans seems, you know, seems like a really good matchup. Um, but the Eagles have the best rushing offense in the league, and I, I'm, I'm banking on that. I think that in, in the playoffs, if you can run the ball, if you can control the clock, and especially if you can keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands, that's going to be key. And the Eagles have the opportunity to do that. They have the foundation to do that. Uh, I think if you can get one, one, big, one big play off of play action, you know, set up off of that run, whether it be from Hertz's legs, whether it be from um, from Miles Sanders, Devonta Smith getting loose, you know, in the secondary, I, I think that can happen. And I think with that one big play, they're gonna they're gonna get the job done. My fade of the week, and you and I, I think I think I think we're on the same page here. We are. These, yeah. So, you know, I'm fading Raiders Bengals. These are two loser franchises. And they they don't win anything and they figure out how to mess every situation up. And so I just I don't I don't know what to think. Here. I don't know how to how to handicap it. Uh, the Raiders offense looks strong against the Chargers, but that's been part of their like inconsistency for basically like the second half of the season. Um, but if you look at the numbers, their offense is, is just as efficient as Cincinnati's. Right. They are they are zero point two yards per play away from the Bengals. And so offensively, they could move the ball up and down the field on Cincinnati. And even though, even the regular season game, that was 32-13, that game was a lot closer than what the final score, you know, indicated. And so what I think when, when we're thinking about the Bengals and this, you know, high-powered offense, Jamar Chase, big plays, stuff like that, the Bengals throw for, you know, 7.9 7 yards per pass. The Raiders allow 6.3 yards per pass. So you're going to see like a strength on strength type of thing. And so I think I think there's too many things going, you know, against each other. So I'm going to stay away from this one. In Ian's defense, because I know that uh, he's on board with, with the Raiders yeah. in this game. So I'm curious to get your thoughts, even though we're both fading it. Um, the the Sharps seem to be on the Raiders side here after opening at six and a half. It's moved a full point now over at Wembet Sportsbook to Raiders plus five and a half on the road. Do you have concerns about Derek Carr in a cold weather game, Ian, or do you feel like he's finally at the point with enough weapons around him in a scheme that makes sense and actually being healthy that um, at least he can keep this maybe closer than most people anticipate? Uh, I have several concerns, I, but I have concerns about every bet I place. There's always things that could go <laughs> wrong. Uh, Derek Carr in cold weather is certainly one of those concerns. Um I don't know, though. I, I I try not to handicap weather too much, unless it's heavy wind, uh, cold weather. 
I mean, yeah, maybe it'll play a factor, but I think it's a little, I don't know if we have a big enough sample size to kind of bank on that fact. So, uh, but am I concerned? Yes. I'm concerned about several things. <laughs> Fair enough. What about, uh, what about the game that you, uh, that you love the most and the game that you're probably staying away from? Yeah, so I've talked about the Raiders already a ton this week, so I'm not going to reiterate that. I'm going to touch on a game that I don't think we've talked about at all in any of our videos so far this week, and that's the Bills and the Patriots. Uh, I am going to back the Bills in this one, minus four. Uh, but to your point, do I have concerns about this game? Absolutely, and it actually does come down to the weather uh, because we saw the first time these two teams met this season uh, that when it was, it was bad weather, it was windy, the Patriots were able to take advantage of it. But one thing people actually don't remember is that like the Bills were like a play away from winning that game. Late in the game, they drove down the field. They got inside the red zone. I think they might have got inside even the 10-yard line maybe or somewhere around the 10-yard line. Uh, turned it over on downs. They score a touchdown. They, they, they win the game. The narrative is completely different. Um, but when you look at the Bills, statistically, analytically, they are the best team heading into the playoffs. You, you put aside record, you put off aside that loss to the Jaguars. Almost every single statistic or analytic you look at, uh, the Bills are the best team heading into the playoffs. So I'm going to ride that train. The Patriots stumbled a little bit down the stretch. Mac Jones' worst game of his season came in the second game against the Bills. He went 14 for 32, 145 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. Bills have the best secondary in the NFL. Uh, so I'm going to ride them here, Bills minus four. But uh, the, the weather, I think the weather gives me more concern in that one more than the Raiders just because we've seen uh, already what happens when these two teams play in some bad weather. So uh, that's that, that's my pick for today's show. The game, and you mentioned at the top, I'm betting on every game. So uh, I'm saying this one's my fade, but really it's just kind of the, the game I'm least comfortable about. Uh, and that's the Rams and the Cardinals. I think I'm, I am on the Rams, but if I were to stay away from any game, it'd be this one. Just because of Matt Stafford, this guy just throws so many interceptions. Uh, for the majority of the season, I just ignored that factor, but then it, it bit me several times. This guy just right. throws interceptions. And all five of the Rams' losses this year, he threw at least one interception. And three of those losses, he threw two interceptions. Uh, so the Rams statistically are the better team and should win this game. Uh, but not only does Matt Stafford throw interceptions, but he throws them, it seems like, at the worst possible time. Uh, I, I feel like he's thrown several pick sixes. If not a pick six, uh, the, the other team gets the ball deep in the Rams' territory. Um, so I, if Matt Stafford doesn't turn the ball over, they're going to win this game and probably cover the spread. Uh, but that's a big ask for Matt Stafford. He's just forcing some bad throws, and that makes me nervous. So if I were to stay away from any game, it would be that Monday night. Or Also, I mean, it's a divisional game, and those ones are tough. I feel like that's going to be for anybody who enjoys live betting. I feel like that's the perfect game to middle because I, I see the the Rams winning on a field goal at the end. It, it kind of goes into setting up all the different trends that we've seen from both these teams over the course of the year, right? You have Arizona who can't win in the second half of the season, but you also have Cliff Kingsbury who's been the best coach over the last three years as a road underdog and covering. So I could see Arizona getting off to a lead and then the Rams kind of just chipping away at it over the course of the game to the point where last second field goal at the end wins it for them. Maybe they, they, uh, they don't cover the original number, but maybe you get them late in the game or midway through at plus three. So maybe you get them in sort of that situation where you get Arizona plus four Rams plus three and just enjoy a, a middle there. So I I'm with you. It's a tough one to match up, especially with so many different trends going up against each other. Uh, I yeah. think it'll be a fascinating game, though, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I, I mentioned this uh, a little bit already, the, the Raiders and Bengals. That's the game like Donovan that I, I just don't have a good grasp on. I'm trying to figure out whether or not Derek Carr uh, is going to succeed in a spot that he hasn't succeeded throughout most of his career. Granted, 
I think there's only been one blowout in all those different cold weather games that he's lost. So if you're talking about it from a spread perspective, maybe you look at them at plus five and a half and says, all right, maybe they can keep it fairly close. Um, but the, the Raiders defense hasn't given me any sort of indication that they can slow down this Bengals team. At the same time, watching the spread move in favor of the Raiders uh, also makes it close when my initial lean was on Cincinnati. So it's just a game that I'm staying away from initially. Uh, as for the play that I like, um, the 49ers both are, are live as an underdog as well as to cover the three points on the road at Dallas. If we're talking about you know specific matchups, I didn't realize this. I, I just sort of put this together, but you know, Kyle Shanahan, Dan Quinn coach together. Both of these coaches know a lot of their different strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, I think Shanahan is in a spot where I, I think they could take advantage of a Dan Quinn defense. And we've talked about it at bedside too. Trayvon Diggs has given up a ton of yards in coverage and you have speed and athleticism all over the place on San Francisco's offense, especially when you're not necessarily trying to go for the big play, which I don't think Jimmy G is going to try to do in this game. Um, you use Debo Samuel, get him open in space. One of the best yards after catch guys in the NFL. George Kittle is the same way. By the way, George Kittle, my MVP pick for the Nickelodeon broadcast. I think he's going to get slimed at the end. He feels like just the perfect candidate in this situation. But I think just too much firepower on San Francisco's offense and on the defensive side, they did a great job of shutting down the Rams after the first quarter of last week's game. I think they can do the same for Dallas, especially if they end up becoming a bit more one-dimensional. So I think the the 49ers are live here, both on the money line and also to cover the plus three. So I I like them as probably one of my favorite plays of the week. I didn't want to bog everybody down talking about uh, how the Steelers and Mike Tomlin continue to be the best coach over the last 15 years at covering the spread as an underdog. I've talked about it a thousand times. I I still do like Pittsburgh plus 13 for whatever it's worth. So with that all being said, let's dive into best bets to wrap up the show today. Uh, I'm looking at NBA as well as Donovan and Ian, you are looking at college basketball today uh, between two big 10 teams. So why don't you kick things off for us? Yeah, before I get into that bit, I, I just wanted to point out you said uh, Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan uh, used to coach together. Remember the last game they coached together in? Yeah, it, it was really good for about two and a half quarters, but I, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I, I didn't want to specifically mention that. I, I It was just a fun fact. I, I didn't want <laughs> to take a knife to just it. stab you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a, a, a indirect ricochet shot early in the morning but that's all right <laughs> I'll, I'll take it um best bet for tonight uh ben I'm, I'm going i'm going with your school here your guys indiana plus four and a half uh against iowa uh indiana is one of the best defenses in the country uh 11th in defensive efficiency first in opponent effective uh field goal percentage so very good shooting defense iowa's offense has been fantastic this year among the best and shooting percentage, but I think they're a little bit overperforming. I think we're going to see some regression from the Iowa offense, and what better better time for that to happen when they're going to take on one of the best defenses in the country tonight. Uh, Indiana also has a big uh, rebounding advantage, 16th in rebounding percentage. Iowa's all the way down at 149th. By the way, those defensive statistics I, I, I just pointed out, Iowa's 153rd and 146th of them. So the defensive advantage for Indiana is not just a small advantage. It's a massive advantage, and they're getting points. Uh, they are on the road, so you have to factor that into it. But uh, uh, I'll take Indiana plus four and a half. I think at least they keep this close, if not win outright. They've played Iowa well the last year or so. Now, granted, it's a different coach, but but Archie Miller had them playing decent defense as well. The problem was that they couldn't score. Um, but they were able to, to upset them, and, and Trace Jackson Davis has played really well against Iowa in the past. The problem is that Iowa still has like 
one of those 30 Bohannon brothers that just haunts big 10 teams. And uh, Wisconsin had one, Iowa had one. I think Michigan might've had a Bohannon brother somewhere along the mix as well. They're just like those guys that stick around and shoot threes and and beat you when it's too late. So I I think Indiana will hang around, but they've been a a tale of two teams at each half. And uh, if they get off to a good start, that likely means that Iowa's going to come back in the second half. So it might be an opportunity to, to take them live in that game as well uh but hopefully they start off slow work their way up pull off the upset i'm with you there what about for you donovan who do you like in the uh the association tonight um i'm going i'm all over the bucks minus two versus the warriors um i think that the warriors right now are in a really weird spot um just because so clay thompson coming back was a huge moment everybody's happy and it's great but what you're seeing right now and what you saw on i think i guess wednesday night against against Memphis is they're still integrating him back into the offense and still getting him going. And so he's not playing major minutes. Um, but when he is out there, it's still, he's still trying to find his, his footing. And so I think that, you know, that kind of stifles the offense just a little bit. Um, Draymond is still hurt. He's going to be out for some time. And um, I, I'm, I'm looking at Steph right now and he's not the same stuff that we saw at the beginning of the season and he's kind of tailed off. And so his MVP case is, is, you know, it's, it's getting worse and worse by the day. I think that the Bucks can take advantage of that tonight. I, I wrote earlier this week about how I think that Giannis deserves, you know, more love in the MVP conversation. And I think that tonight is going to be a really good opportunity for him to, to do that. The, the words are going to, they're going to go small. They're going to try to beat Milwaukee with shooting, but, they're not going to have anybody on the floor to stop Giannis. So I think this is a great opportunity for Giannis to, to go crazy, to dominate tonight. And so I like the Bucks minus two. Yeah, the, the Giannis point was really interesting, especially with Steph struggling now. And uh, the way that Memphis has been playing too. John Morant crazy. still, still is, a sneaky pick. Just different. The the block that John Morant had last last week, I I still can't process it. That was one of the most athletic blocks I've ever seen in my life. He was, he was my dark horse pick for MVP this year at, at 50 to one. So That's I'm nice. very much on board uh, him trying to get things going, possibly for most improved player of the year as well. Taylor Jenkins, uh, by the way, hopefully you, you read our article over at Betside at a handful of weeks ago when they were on that win streak without Morant. Now they're doing it again. And now they're third in the West. Uh, good opportunity for him to win coach of the year as well. Uh, I'm staying with you in the association tonight. I like the Clippers plus three on the road against the Pelicans. Um, I, I think there's a bit of too much overreaction. And I know Ian is, is don't overreact guys. So I'm going to go in, in that same camp. Uh, no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, but they're, they're still hanging tough. I, I think what I saw on, uh, on Tuesday night with them, they scored 28 points in the first half against the Denver Nuggets and still found a way to overcome a 25-point deficit in that game, win 87-85. to They're more committed on the defensive side of the ball than than I've seen from them in a while. The the key for them is just whether or not they can get in a good offensive rhythm, and I think they'll be able to do that against the Pelicans. They're playing better. They've been a much better team at home, but they're still under 500 at home. Uh, Before that, they had lost four out of their last five games. So they're more competitive, but I I think them being favorites – uh, against the Clippers team that still has a lot of solid role players that I think can gel together at this point. They're not going to be a dangerous team without their two superstars, but they can hang tough. And certainly if you're getting points with them against the Pelicans team, that's a little too inconsistent for my liking. I, I think they're in a good spot here, especially coming off a big win on Tuesday night, have a little bit of time to rest. You know, they're going to play a little bit better uh, offensively 
compared to what we saw from them in the first half on Tuesday night. So I like the Clippers to cover the plus three on the road at New Orleans. And there you guys have it. Those are our best bets for the day for Thursday, as well as our plays and fades for wild card weekend. We'll have tons more coverage over at BetSided. Make sure you guys check us out and give us a follow as well on social media. We are at BetSided on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, thanks so much for my guys, Ian and Donovan. I am Ben. We will talk to you guys on Monday for a brand spanking new edition reacting to the wildcard weekend in the NFL and, of course, anything else that comes our way. We'll talk to you guys next Monday. So long for now.